Hey, and welcome to Cream of Caroline, the freshest casserole lifestyle podcast on the East Coast. I'm your host, Caroline Hatchett. Today, I am cooking lunch for two of my favorite chefs in New York City, Angie Rito and Scott Tassinelli of Don Angie. We're going to talk about eating, cooking, and zhuzhing up red sauce Italian food and discuss the casseroles they grew up with in New Jersey and Cleveland. I will also learn how to make Don Angie's bomb rolled lasagna. Listen carefully. And at the end, of course, I'm going to serve them a James Beard Vintage Masterpiece Casserole. It's going to be creamy. What's in the oven? Veal and noodles, a quote, substantial dish found on page 25 of James Beard's Casserole Cookbook. To get started, cook one pound of noodles. The noodle choice is all yours until al dente and drain. Then cook a package of frozen peas in the microwave or in a pot of salted boiling water. Drain those as well. Uh, Next, you're going to take two cups chicken broth and two cups white wine. Bring that to a boil and add to that either some peeled pearl onions, which is a pain in the ass, or as I did, uh, a sliced onion, a whole pound of it. You're going to cook those until tender, remove the onions, and reserve them separately from the broth. Now for the hard work. Season three whole pounds of veal cutlets with salt and pepper and then dredge them in flour season with dry mustard, salt, pepper, thyme, and marjoram. Mr. Beard gives us no measurements. Do your thing. Use your seasoning intuition here. Heat some oil or fat in a skillet and then brown those veal cutlets on both sides. This is going to take a while, folks. Get comfortable. As you remove veal from the skillet one at a time, you're going to blot them on paper towels and sprinkle each cutlet with microplaned lemon zest. Now, in a big old casserole dish, layer the veal, noodles, onions, and peas. And you know we need a cream element here. You're going to top that with a sauce made by thickening two cups of your reserved onion wine broth and two cups of milk. Just melt six tablespoons of butter in a saucepan, add to that six tablespoons of flour, whisk it, cook it for a few seconds, and then whisk in the liquids. Cook until bubbly and thick, taste it, season as appropriate with salt and pepper, and pour it all over that casserole. Bake at 375 until warmed through, pull it out of the oven, garnish it with black olives. That's what's in the oven. Casseroles in the news. Valerie Bertinelli, best known for playing Barbara Cooper Royal on One Day at a Time, Gloria on Touch by an Angel, and Melanie Moretti on Hot in Cleveland, recently stopped by the Today Show to teach Hoda and Jenna how to make one pot kale and artichoke chicken casserole. In addition to her acting roles, Bertinelli has also starred in 10 seasons of Valerie's Home Cooking on the Food Network. Who knew? The Rotary Club of Pensacola, Florida, pitched in to feed their neighbor's casserole. In partnership with the Mana Food Bank, 260 Rotary Club volunteers recently packed 
42,165 portions of lentil casserole to distribute to food insecure families in Escambia and Santa Rosa counties. And as reported in the Flathead Beacon, Montana outdoorsman and home cook Robert Breeding took his freezer full of game birds that he shot over the winter, ground them up, and made a wildfowl ragu for a prize-winning lasagna. His dish took home second place in a friendly March Madness cooking competition, losing only to a cheesy smoked sausage casserole. And that's your casseroles in the news. Okay, listeners, for our first official episode of season three, we have Angie Rito and Scott Tassinelli from Don, Angie, and Quality Italian. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming over. You're, you're my neighbors. You're my restaurant neighbors. We are. Right yeah, down the it was like a five-minute walk, not even. <laughs> yes. You great. just got a little wet today. Yeah, it's fine. That's fine. It's casserole weather. I'm nice and like yes, dewy right now. Yeah. Finally. Okay, so Angie, you grew up like in the middle of casserole country, right? Cleveland? I did, yes. The the heart of, of casserole land, USA. Yes, Cleveland, Ohio. Did you grow did you eat casseroles or was it all Italian food? Um, honestly, my family um primarily cooks Italian food, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But um yeah, there were definitely casseroles around in my life. Trying to think, you know, like there's always like a random ant that makes like, you know, something. I remember there was like a baked like rice, cheese, broccoli mm-hmm. thing that was really good that I've tried to recreate for a family meal a few times because it was it was really good. Okay. Um <laughs> I mean a lot of Italian American food is casserole ish. Yeah, right. yeah, of yeah. course. Lasagna, baked ziti, stuffed shells, like all those things are Kind of like casserole. They're totally yeah, I casseroles. guess you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, no, I am um, making for you today. Uh, all of the recipes are from uh, James Beard's 1955 casserole cookbook. And there were only two noodle dishes. So, it's veal noodle casserole with pounded cutlets, pasta, peas, mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> onions, <laughs> onions. <laughs> And velouté. And I never know how these things are going to taste because I don't test them in advance. Most of them are good, but... I mean, it sounds good. Yeah, it sounds really good. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, lasagna is totally casserole, but yours is so bougie. Yeah. Yours is so beautiful. I think, and I've told you, but it it made me cry the first time I ate it. (laughs) I was like a little tipsy. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) But it's really special. (laughs) So for people who have not had the fortune to eat it tell tell listeners all about this beautiful lasagna so it's basically like a pinwheel style lasagna Mm -hmm. i guess you could call it it's made with homemade pasta and um basically layers of bechamel parmesan mozzarella um and an italian sausage bolognese sauce Mm -hmm. so we basically make it's basically traditional bolognese but with the addition of italian sausage and the addition of um some like tomato to the sauce as well which isn't typically the way you make bolognese okay but we basically layer it and roll the whole thing up like a jelly roll and then cut it into pinwheels and then arrange those in a casserole style dish Mm -hmm. uh with tomato sauce and dollops of robiola cheese okay and i think it's i think it's the italian sausage that like triggers like my 
memories, my childhood memories of like, because my grandma used to put Italian sausage. Oh, really? In her lasagna. It's a good move. Yeah, my very not Italian grandma. I mean, Italian <laughs> sausage. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like an American move. I like it. So, okay, because I didn't. I don't think I understood the process. So you're taking like a giant sheet of pasta. So each one. So basically, two sheets of pasta per roll. Okay. So you start with one sheet of pasta, and then you layer the bechamel on top of that, mm-hmm. parmesan on top of that, mozzarella on top of that. Then you put another sheet of pasta on top of that. Okay. Layer in the bolognese sauce. It sounds like a mess. It does. It's kind of hard to explain. And then you just roll the whole thing. So you kind of have like the dip. You'll have the differentiations of like the layers. And do you chill it? Do you have to chill it? Yeah. Everything needs to be really cold in order to roll it too. Yeah. Like if it's, you can't do it while, you can't like make the sauce and then assemble it while it's warm. It needs to be preferably like. Like ice cold. Like a day ahead of time because it's really, really cold. Because all the, you know, the fat in the, in the bolognese sauce kind of solidifies. So it makes it easier to roll. Okay. And where did you, how did you guys decide to do that? Or why did you decide to do that? Did, where did you, is it, does it exist anywhere else? Is it a thing? It's, well, so they do something like that in Italy. It's called rotolo, but um, they don't really do it in the way that we do it. Like it's, we intentionally gave this like the flavors of lasagna and we, we put it, we put the pinwheels together in a dish. So it's like one big Mm -hmm. sort of um, plate, but the classic way um, they'll just serve like an individual one pinwheel. single pinwheel. Yeah. And it's, I don't even know what traditionally it's filled with. I think it like totally varies. Yeah. I think it's just, um, a pinwheel but honestly, pinwheel. I didn't even know about that till like after we came up with this dish when I was like, cause somebody like told me, they're like, Oh, that's Rotolo. And I realized, and I like read about it. Um, but we wanted to do a uh, pasta for two and we decided we wanted to do a lasagna for two. And then I saw this photo of, um, cinnamon buns, like baked in a pan. Mm-hmm. And I, like, simultaneously was thinking about pasta, and I was like, oh, like, what if we do, you know, basically, like, a rolled-style pasta in this format, like a savory, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's how it came about. Is there, is, is it more labor or less labor than layering it? Um, I mean, it certainly is a it's lot like, of labor, but it's, it's, honestly like it's like, probably the same, same right? Except for it takes longer because you need to cool the stuff down. Like, yeah. you can assemble a regular lasagna because you still have to make all the pasta, right. blanch all the sheets. That's the most labor-intensive yeah. part, I would say. I didn't mention that. We, we take fresh pasta and we, like, briefly cook it in boiling water, mm-hmm. literally just for, like, seconds, and then ice it down okay. uh, before we do that whole process, so that rolling process. Have people copied you now? Have yes. you seen it? Yes. Yeah, actually, just yesterday <laughs> just, we, we, just we found, found a new one. Another but... <laughs> one, very close to our restaurant, is They're like popping doing up almost exactly the same thing Yeah. mysteriously. I mean, did you, did you know that it was going to be a hit as soon as you, like, saw it? I feel like it's always, it's weird, like, whenever you're, you know, when we're coming up with new ideas or opening a new restaurant, like, you don't know till you open and get up and running, like, how people are going to react to things. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know, we just thought, like, oh, this is a cool, yeah. you know. I mean, the quality Italian chicken parm was the same, same thing. thing. Right, Even yeah. actually to another level, I yeah. think. Like, that's been copied, copied by yeah. major food chains. Yeah. <laughs> There was like a KFC in like Australia or something that had. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the Cheesecake Factory has, yeah. not, has knocked it off. Yeah. And I will. And, I you, am and you're getting checks. One hundred percent. I am one hundred percent certain that we are the first people to ever do yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Like, okay, and, and because chicken parm is the casserole, but yours is not. No. Right. Ours is looks like a pizza. 
Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So tell listeners, again, what's the vision of this massive... I mean, that was, so that actually was my idea. I couldn't really figure out exactly how to make it. Angie really was the one that was brilliant enough to like think of... What we do is we make like a farce with the chicken, like uh, almost mm-hmm. like a chicken meatball. So we grind dark meat and white meat with a, a spice combination. And then we press it into this mold into like, and then we freeze it so it makes like a, like a disc. And then you can bread it. Mm-hmm. And then we deep fry it. Like a chicken um, nugget. Basically, basically yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is. But I mean, it's, it's like a couple of reasons that there were a couple of reasons why we did it that way. One being that it allows you to incorporate like a lot of seasoning into the actual mm-hmm. chicken. Because I feel like with chicken parm, typically it's just like a basic like chicken breast or whatever. I mean, people like brine it or they you know season I don't think it most people but whatever it, but. i'm saying there's like sort of a limited amount of things you could do with that so that was like part of the reason yeah reasoning behind that like how we landed on that but um and then it's been i mean very copied like exactly a couple of restaurants in long island copied yeah. it, like blatantly like no yeah it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable yeah but <laughs> whatever, whatever. It is <laughs> we definitely invented that dish i have zero yeah. doubt in my mind the, yeah. the rolled pasta thing was been done in Italy before. We just right. formed it into like our style of lasagna. But yeah. the chicken parm, that invention was 100% us. It's mm-hmm. amazing. There, I was talking about it with someone last night. There aren't a whole lot of chefs who actually like actually invent something and make something. I'm saying like David Burke, you know? Oh yeah, he he like, invented a lot of things. Cake pops, yeah, and flavor sprays. <laughs> I like David Burke because he's from the town right next to mine. Where yeah. Grew, okay, so. so there's like a New Jersey yeah, rivalry a, here. <laughs> no. Oh, you you do like it. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like that's really pretty special to like actually come up with something new, especially with a dish that's so nostalgic for so many people. What's your process for that? Are you trying to do things? Are you trying to invent new foods, new formats? I think like always, I don't know, for me specifically, there's always like in the back of my mind, I'm always just like thinking of food ideas like all the time and like writing down notes all day long, like every day of my life. Even if I'm not trying to, I'm just always, it's like always something I'm thinking about. For me, it kind of goes in cycles. So like I I have a lot of ideas and then I don't have any really good ideas for a while so it's, it's hard you know the creative process is one I'm not saying I have good ideas I'm just for, saying I'm always just thinking of ideas I think, yeah but, yeah um, in thinking of casseroles too there's a lot of Italian my growing up with my grandmother and my mother made eggplant parmesan like it's my favorite way to eat it like a casserole too which is mm-hmm. layered it's almost like a lasagna like layered like 20 layers in a yeah, baked my, in the oven my family so, makes like a similar one in, in my opinion the best way to eat eggplant parmesan oh yeah yeah because like, nobody really wants to taste the eggplant. They just want, like, all right, the other the stuff, you know? And so like, fries, <laughs> and, and, and I actually love the flavor of eggplant. Yeah. But, um, but so that's... And then growing up, my mother made this one thing. I don't know. She got a recipe out of, like, some cookbook. But she used to call it tamale pie. Oh, yeah. And it was like, have you ever had something like this? I've had something like this. And then the last season, I cooked out of a Southern Living, like, 80s cookbook. And the number of really like terrifying like tamale pie or like Mexican ish yes. like adjacent dishes before people knew what Mexican food was. Yeah. Or really it's It wasn't astounding. anything like a tamale now that I think about it though. The crust was like I guess cornmeal and something. And yeah, then, like, like Jiffy mix maybe or yeah, something. Maybe. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh actually that's probably what it, that's probably what it was. And then I remember <laughs> it had like kidney beans and maybe ground meat or something. It was always basically like, you know, the flavors of like taco or something right. like that. But it was pretty good. My mom would I remember you, I, I really liked it. <laughs> it's really, so su- it's surprising. Like I've made some of these 
recipes and I'm like, just know that they're going to be disgusting. And then I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like, this is like these, I don't know, and canned ingredients, t- they, they kind of taste good. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom was probably busy, right? Yes, like, she was a working mother for sure. Yeah. yeah. How many siblings? Do you have siblings? I have one brother. Okay. So, yeah. There's four of us, but she always, you know, she cooked dinner every night. And I remember, you know, definitely eating dinner as a family most nights up until we were, we, my brother and I were very close in age, got into high school. And then we were, we got involved in various other, you know, after school activities and Mm -hmm. stuff. So then it wasn't, but there was still a home cooked meal every night. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's how I grew up too. It was, I was pretty damn fortunate. (laughs) And I remember my mom being like getting stressed out and being like, I don't know what to make for dinner. It's the hardest, (laughs) you know, like if I ever, like my parents would ever hardly ever argue, but I remember them sometimes arguing about like what she would make for dinner because it was just so hard to think of things, Mm -hmm. you know, new things for dinner. So, you know, my family just ate like so much pasta. I feel like, (laughs) no, because I I feel like, because it was like a fast thing, you know, because both my parents like worked a lot and my family has a, has a bakery in Cleveland Mm -hmm. where I'm from. And they make, like, a tomato sauce that they sell in their store. And, like, their tomato sauce with, like, just, like, pasta from the bakery. That was literally probably, like, six out of seven days a week when I ate. I swear to God. But I, like, never got sick of it. I could still eat it, like, every day. No problem. You, like, trained trained your body to metabolize, like, pasta or something. Yeah. I don't know. My mom had a rotation. She had, like, a chicken casserole that my dad like if really please I'm begging you like don't make this again I don't know we would have it it was like chicken sour cream and cream of mushroom soup and poppy seeds mm, and, Ritz, cr- and, Ritz, and Ritz crackers on oh. top oh my god <laughs> <laughs> sorry mom actually the broccoli and cheese casserole that I referenced before I'm pretty sure had cream of celery soup mm-hmm. in there, yeah. which was yeah well, like An the integral creamy, part of, what's that? The, the traditional like Thanksgiving greeny casserole has cream of mushroom soup. Cream right? of mushroom, that's, that's right. That's like another weird, so I never had that growing up. Like I've never, I don't think, actually had the, the proper green bean casserole. It's not that good. I know, but the I best, feel like I'm, I don't know, I feel like fine. I need to know. <laughs> the best part of the, the fried onions on top. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I tried it for the podcast around Thanksgiving and I'm like, no, and, and I didn't make it fancy. I just like went with the recipe and yeah. it was, was gross. It was okay. kind of gross. <laughs> I overheard someone like, I can't remember who it was, but I overheard people having an argument like around Thanksgiving time in the restaurant about how it should be made. And like the one guy was like, no, like the, the, the green beans should be like gray. Like by the yes. time it's like to the point where it's good, like they should be gray. And I, I remember it like, was two of our servers. Yeah. One of, the, one of the servers was like, I'm making it, but I'm not using canned beans. Oh, and right. The other guy was like, no, you have to use yeah, canned like, beans. Yeah, that's how it must be. Yes. My mom has made that, not every year, but she started making it like later on. and But she didn't use canned beans. She used, I think they like were like frozen, frozen beans. And they were, because okay. canned green beans are disgusting. Those or like very not I went good. through a phase where like that was the only vegetable I ate. My really? mom would just like crank open a can and you know uh, for my dinner. Like really right? There's like <laughs> there's got to be zero nutritional value to those. They they're yeah. like gray when they come out of the can. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, those I don't like, but you know. I mean, do you guys do you cook at home? No, you mostly not go out really. to dinner, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a few we, things. Yeah, make. like Angie makes this really great soup that her grandmother makes. It's very, like, 
it's, I mean, it's like real peasant food, like very simple. It's like garlic, olive oil, water, broken spaghetti, and broccoli. Okay. And you just boil and so it. It's really like basic, yeah. Broccoli. And you just it's boil basically, it. Oh, sorry, I don't need to tell people how you make no, um, grandma's soup. It's basically like the flavor of the soup is basically just garlic, broccoli, and like a shit ton of olive oil, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it just turns into this like broccoli, garlic, like broth with mm-hmm. broken noodles in it. And did she use broccoli rob or no? She just used like regular. She well, she used bitter, yeah, like rob or like sometimes she'd use like other like bitter like chicory type things. Mm-hmm. Um, broccoli as well, like actually more commonly she would use just regular broccoli. Okay. And I don't know if I love it because it's like nostalgic or if like it's actually good. You know no, it's I mean? good. Okay. You make it. <laughs> I like it, but I like. I also but love I still all like of your it. grandmother's food, so yeah. it's something that your grandmother used to make. But it's good, and I put you know a little Parmesan cheese on it. Yeah. So. A lot of black pepper. I like it. Actually, we've like, been adding like a little lemon juice too. That was not yeah. typically my grandma's move. Mm-hmm. So but. you're you're fussing with it a little bit. I mean, which I is guess. what which is what you do. Yeah, right. Like I mean, a natural you, process. Because you know, again, it's like red sauce is so nostalgic for people, but you like really inject it with some attitude and some you know different techniques and flavors from New York. Have you have you ever taken anything too far? Do you think? Mm, probably in some people's opinions. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we definitely get nervous when we have like Italian. I always feel like out. I have to explain myself when someone's like a true Italian coming right, to our restaurant. Right. I feel like I have to be like, I have to like preface the meal like, hey, like just so you know, like we know what Italian food is. We're, you know, we're not <laughs> because like my grandma, for example, like I'll tell her you know, about certain things that we make in the restaurant and she's like, her mind explodes, you know, like you right. can't pair that pasta with that sauce. You can't do that, you know, because Italians like have so many rules in general regarding mm-hmm. their food, which is part of the reason why they've been able to protect their cuisine. And it's, you know, they have things like prosciutto and, you know, Parmesan that have been the same way for hundreds of years, like right. because they're so stringent in those rules. But at the same time, it's like, come on guys, like let's, you know, can we play, can we like have a little fun with these things? But <laughs> and so what restaurants are you excited about right now where are you going for inspiration or returning to in new york or anywhere because you're in Dim- you work in denver some too yeah a little we were bit, there this much. past weekend we're not yeah we're not there a ton but um we were there this past weekend i mean i i would say there's like three main categories well actually just two main categories <laughs> one being old school red sauce places okay for sure and then the other being, like, just whatever, like, the new hot restaurants are or, like, you know, chefs that we're inspired mm-hmm. by that are doing things that we think are inspiring. Those are the two kind of categories of places that we visit, right? Yeah. We love, um, like, the Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we also love, like, the restaurant that's, like, a, I think a block from here, Jeans. Jeans. We went for the first time it's last amazing. week. What do you order at Jeans? Actually, you know what's cool? There oh, yeah. is the stuffed... What is it called? It's like a stuffed veal chop. I think it's a veal valdostana. Oh, maybe. Veal valdostana. It's like a... <laughs> it's like a pounded veal chop that they basically stuff with, um, like, prosciutto and, like, mm-hmm. fontina or something, and they, like, roll it back up. And bread it. And then bread it and, like, deep fry they it, essentially. It. <laughs> it's very impressive. Looking. It is. And it's, yeah. It's pretty good. It is um, something. What else? I... I I think we do like like the, hot antipasta. Yes, hot, that's like our move um, a lot of times. We went there. Wait, we went there wait, for our first anniversary. I feel like we did Jeans. the first wedding. Oh, the first year, yeah. I feel oh, like yeah, we, we did. did for our first wedding anniversary. 
guys are really classy. I mean, we get very excited right? about red red sauce places. We go back to <laughs> right. Yeah, like red sauce places we will continually go back to. There, yeah. I mean, there are very few places that we continually go back over and over and over again. Yeah. but that's one. But of is it just because you love it? Are you like checking your palates? Are you like uh, spying both. on technique? Like, what is it? Because they don't really the menus don't change that much. Do no, they? I just I always love it, and I I and will like, always. They're not going to be around for much longer. You know, I feel like all these yeah. old school places are just like dwindling. Right. Know, well, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's some that we actually just had this conversation the other day it's it's cool that there's like a handful where like the son of the father or whatever the children are taking over the mm-hmm. the family tradition like queen in brooklyn Amelia's um, Amelia's Bellato. Bellato, you know like the children are basically the parents are passing the torch to the children which is really cool mm-hmm. to see and like the legacy lives on mm-hmm. um my family was not super thrilled when i told them i was going to this industry <laughs> like not at all <laughs> I think in general, like, people want what's best for their children or what's better or whatever. And, you know, like, immigrant families came and, like, came here and worked so hard, you know, to make a living for their children so that their children and families would have a better life or what they deemed to be a better life. Right. Know? And um, running a restaurant and being a chef. It's a hard life, yeah. No matter like, what <laughs> level you are in my opinion, it's like, I think David Chang said this once, it's like grueling hard work. Like, it yeah, is and you not... guys are wearing such sexy clothes today. Too. I know, right? They <laughs> have on dishwasher <laughs> shirts. It is not. <laughs> There's nothing glamorous about it. Yeah. Like, the, the dishwasher is overflowing with water from the drain, and you're like on the ground, like pulling stuff out of the drain. Like these are the things that happen, like on a daily basis. You know, it's it's. Oh yeah. It's just. It's not like it's not definitely not for everybody. That's for sure. <laughs> no, but and you jumped into it late. Late. Yes. Late. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Now, I guess for listeners who don't know, how how did you come together in life and become chef power couple? Because a lot of times it's like the lady runs the front of house and yeah. the husband is in the back, and those are both really important jobs. But yeah, you guys are both grinded in the kitchen. Yeah, and people always think I'm the pastry chef because it's like a stereotype. Well, people also think my name but. is Don. <laughs> 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 true true yeah. uh, <laughs> I so, get mad at people though when they think you're the pastry chef I like straight up, <laughs> I straight up like not. yell at them now because like <laughs> more than half the dishes on the menu are Angie's like so like right. you know like I you know she's like really she's the true star so no it's just it's just funny it's just you know people know, are used to like it's not funny dinner. actually it's, it's it's sexist yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but, but we don't even have a pastry chef because we just make everything. Yeah, we don't. Um, I never have room for dessert. That's like a true confession. I just drink Amaro at the end of my meal. I never have room. I just still eat it. Which yeah. is like <laughs> not and drink Amaro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so we met, what, like 12 years ago? I feel like we always... I think it's longer than that now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I started cooking when I was 30 and I'm going to be 43, so... It was... Okay, so like 13 years ago okay. we met... And Scott was just out of culinary school. He was a line cook. And I had just moved to New York, and I was working in the front of the house um, at Park Avenue Seasons, which used to be at 63rd and Park uptown. Mm-hmm. Now it's um, in Nomad. I, I was a line cook there. Yeah, he was a line cook. I was working in the front of the house. I was kind of trying to, like, figure my life out. I've always wanted to own a restaurant. That was, like, always a goal I had. But I don't know. I, just I mean, I was how trying to I wanted to go about it. and. I was trying to figure my life out, too. Yeah. (laughs) Because I had just left a very lucrative career 
yeah. in advertising sales that I hated, but Golden I made a lot guess, of money. Right, you freed yourself. To <laughs> pursue something that I thought I would enjoy more. Yeah, and I was toying with the idea of going going to culinary school for a long time, but I was hesitant to do so because I had a ton of loans from my undergraduate mm-hmm. degree in journalism, which I never used. And, uh, also super lucrative. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that was something I thought about. From, even while I was in college, I thought about doing it, but I just, like, didn't want to spend the money. And then Scott basically was like, you don't need to go to culinary school. Just, like, go work in the kitchen. And I was like, you know, how do I do that? And Let me clear the air, though. I do think, because I did go to culinary school, that for certain people it is a great move, and I support I don't want to like not support oh, culinary school. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is good for certain people, especially for me at the age of thirty, where I changed my career and had no idea what I was doing. It was a good. It was like the best thing I ever did. Right. So I don't want to. But Frangie was different because she already was working in a restaurant, and you I grew up around it. Yeah. yeah. I basically yeah I grew up in the bakery like you know it, it's different than cooking in a restaurant, but in a lot of ways it's similar. I, I can't even really describe it. Just food service in general like there's a lot you know just having that innate like sense of urgency and just when we met we bonded instantly because of a lot of different reasons our italian background though not similar because my my family is absolutely tiny and hers is huge i still forget who some of the people are it's so bad <laughs> i have to like, like i mean like, she has the biggest family book. ever but anyway and then we also <laughs> like i remember us talking about like when we were in college which was very different times but when we were in college i would cook food for like my roommates and stuff like that and she did the same thing you know or late at night after the bars like mm-hmm. i'd be like cooking food nothing fancy but like I mean, she was making pretty fancy stuff. In Not really. I mean, you were like making homemade pasta. I would make. I yeah, I first tried making homemade pasta when I was in college, and I mean, it was like horrible. But I mean, whatever, but, it was fine. It was, <laughs> like nobody, like nobody knew it was. Horrible, I mean, everyone so. ate it. So. <laughs> and when I was in college, it was like when the Food Network had just become like very popular, and there was real cooking shows in the Food Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a really good friend of mine, my one best friend in college. He was really into food too. And for, I remember for like spring break, everybody was going to Cancun and he was like, let's drive to New Orleans and go eat at like, you know, Amaro Lagasse's restaurant and all these other places. And that's what we did. And we had a road trip and ate, you know, in Alabama and all these different. Amazing. Yeah. And it was like probably the, one of the best experiences of my life. But that's, you know, when I realized that I had this true love of food mm-hmm. you know? and yeah, you would have never known had you and I didn't gone to pursue it right away, food. but I went back into it and pursued it. So. And then you were, how did you, and you came together eventually at Quality Italian. Came together in terms of? Like cooking again. Oh, together. cooking together. Um, yeah, I think Quality Italian was the first time that we actually cooked together because we worked separately for probably like seven years prior mm-hmm. to that, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, <laughs> we just like never saw each other because right. of the nature Aww. of our jobs. And part of the reason that we love working together now is it like affords us the opportunity to spend time, time together, together. <laughs> because we're both pas- so passionate about what we do and you know and we're very lucky we, we're yeah. lucky that we have a successful restaurant that we're able to spend time together i mean we're very lucky we know yeah, yeah so we're super it lucky. doesn't happen for everybody and we get along so that's even better <laughs> most of the time <laughs> usually if we don't get along it's my fault but. <laughs> okay um 
Yeah, we're literally together like twenty four seven. Yes, I know. It's like, <laughs> like you you can never stop thinking about food or the rest, right? It's just, are you hungry all the time? Yeah, I mean Angie's. <laughs> no, I mean I, I'm saying this hopefully in the right way. But she definitely is hungry. I mean, I'm, I eat. A, we both eat a lot, but like it's not hungry. It's just like I could always eat. Yeah, I'm kind of. <laughs> Very, if like I, if I don't have an appetite, it's probably because like I'm sick or something, you know, like right. something's yeah. going on. Yeah, but, yeah. something's I wrong. I think it's it's like if I'm writing about food or editing something, it, any, I just I'm hung, I feel like I'm hungry all the time. Yeah, I, I'm not, but I, <laughs> I'm I think, down to eat too. And then we like you know we started going to Italy pretty much every year. You know, are eight years ago. Okay. This year we we may go just for like a quick trip, but. Um, and when we get there, it's always like this like eating mm-hmm. fest where we start doing like huge lunch, huge dinner, and then yeah, after like the third day, we're like, oh man. And then like, you're doing like probably beautiful like charcuterie for breakfast. <laughs> oh yeah, da, 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 yeah, aperitivo, mm-hmm. like, which yeah. is like a meal within itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what well, is what is one of your favorite Italian destinations? Someone asked us this recently. It's so hard to. We try to go to a different region mm-hmm. every time, um, and we really have covered a lot of ground. There's only a handful of places that we haven't been. Um, Some of the best trips we've had. I mean, they're all amazing. But Sicily is up there for me, honestly. Yeah. Um, um, Naples is actually pretty. It gets such a bad rap, but it's actually pretty awesome. If you, you know, the the culture there is is pretty yeah. cool. Um, and Capri is beautiful. We went there mm-hmm. once, but that's not really a food yeah. That's kind of like but a. It's more of like that was like a very relaxing trip, but it was very beautiful. Some of them are beautiful. Sardinia is pretty Sardinia's. awesome. Okay. And we really love Trieste, I don't which a lot of people do not go to. Uh, it, it's up um, in the northeast. Um, it used to be part of like the Austro-Hungarian like empire, or mm-hmm. whatever that was. And uh, um, a lot of the food is basically still sort of like Austrian style, like smoked meats Mm -hmm. and mustard and things like that, which is kind of cool. It's where uh, Lydia Bastianich is from. Yeah. That like region. Yeah. Right around there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Um, But it's, it's very interesting and the food is really good. Yeah. It's just, it's like a really unique part of Italy. Mm -hmm. And you've developed, and you've obviously developed a team that can run the restaurant without you that's exciting yes, we that's have we're very lucky we have like a really awesome team so okay uh i think i'm looking at our timer and the casserole is probably i hear like the oven the like, oven which, which, is, which, yeah. plays <laughs> the, which plays in the background of this it's like kind of hokey and kind of cute um not very professional sound but that's okay uh are you guys do you want to bite yes, you ready to have be ready to eat okay all right awesome <laughs> Lunch is served. Uh, this is such a bizarre day. It's so know. funny. Oh my god. Oh my god. Whatever. It's it's. Uh, we have pasta flying across the table. Uh, <laughs> listeners, and I don't. Right? Like, how are you even supposed to get the pasta out? Looks really good though. How are you? How are we supposed to do? Would sure. tongs be smarter? A fork. Well, maybe a fork. Maybe a fork. Should I pack it up a little bit? Yeah, just like dive in there. Thank you. You guys are pros. I was kind of like waiting for you to take it. This could feed like... Yeah, 30 people. Yeah. Is there lemon zest in this? There is lemon zest in this. Does Mm -hmm. the recipe call for bucatini? 
No, it didn't. I thought it was buying spaghetti and I wasn't paying attention. Bucatini is so mm. far superior to spaghetti though. Okay. Love it. I tried. I like it. You like yeah. it? How might we, how might we, uh, Don Angie, improve this? Do you think more lemon? I mean, I think I'm, like, I feel like if you like chopped up the veal into mm -hmm. like strips and then like folded it into probably like a shorter pasta situation just so it's easier to sort of scoop. Right, because that's the thing. It was really difficult yeah. to serve. I feel okay. like that would be. Um, yeah, I mean, almost like a ragu with the veal and the onions, mm -hmm. right? And then mixing in, yeah. Okay. Is there black pepper in the recipe? Uh, he just it's called for pepper, but I really put a lot of black pepper. I, really? Yeah. I feel like I could use it even more. I'm more. more. Yeah. So this is a veal, what, like a scallopini? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Seems yeah, labor intensive nonetheless. So. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, like, separate mm -hmm. steps. Mm-hmm. Like pounding the meat, breading it, frying it, cooking the pasta, like making and the, the sauce. And the veloce was like very. Oh, and this was supposed to have pearl onions in it, and I just like I really love you guys, but not enough mm -hmm. to spend thirty minutes peeling them. Because mm -hmm. oh, like I'm really slow. Uh, <clears throat> so, but I cooked the onions in stock in wine, and that was the, those were the instructions, and then pulled them, and then used that to make the the veloce. So it was like even another step. But we think chop up, chop up the veal more finely. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think so. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh great! That is a heavy dish. I know. That's it was, like it was like three pounds of veal. I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna go for it. <laughs> So funny. I have gained weight. I like to have gained weights and starting because <laughs> I don't like. I have never cooked like this in my life. You know, like especially as an adult, I had casseroles as a kid, but then I mm -hmm. stopped. Probably going to cut that from this audio recording because I don't want people to think that they're going to gain weight if they live a casserole lifestyle. Right. But you do. Right. <laughs> and then there are leftovers for for day for days. Well, I feel like the nature of. I mean, a lot of them have just like a lot of like. Cream and mm -hmm. things like that, yeah. just to like find, you know. Those always do get really dry. Yeah. I feel like it's great for people that have big families, though, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was the thing. And the other good thing about this was like, <clears throat> I put it, I assembled it, got it ready, you know, just popped it in the oven. Yeah, like before your, we recorded. Yeah. And it's a one pot, you know, it's not a one pot meal to make, but. Yeah. So elegant in the center of your table. Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> so funny. I'm not sure that veal noodles are going to make it onto the menu at Don Angie anytime soon, but be on the lookout for exciting news from Scott and Angie. After recording, they learned that they made the semifinalist list for the 2020 James Beard Award for Best Chef New York City. Let's hope, fingers crossed, this James Beard casserole is all the karma they need to win. I'm always happy to help. Keep it creamy.